You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Hey friends, it's Pastor Jason here. Uh, I'm so glad you could join us this morning. We are in a series right now called The Path of Glory. And uh, we're following along in the book of Mark with our grow groups all the way through the, through the end of the book, wrapping up on Easter. And, and uh, I don't know about you, but I think this has been one of the best seasons of grow group we've ever had. Um, we've had some truly meaningful discussions in the last several weeks. And, and I just want to plug that if you're not part of a grow group, you are really missing out, like sincerely. I love my grow group. And, uh, but today we pick up on, on, um, in the book of Mark in chapter 12. And uh, this chapter contains some of the most quoted pieces of the gospel. So um, my message ha- has got to be at least three hours long. Um, just kidding. <laughs> Not really. Uh, here's some background on where we're, where we're beginning today. Jesus is teaching in, in the temple and a crowd has gathered. Uh, now we've been talking about crowds lately, uh, a lot actually, and, and about how crowds are fickle and, and ever-changing. Uh, you, can't just, you can't just judge your success or your failure by what draws a crowd. You can't judge your success or failure by the crowd's reaction. Like I said uh, a few Sundays ago, in my opinion, that's where a lot of churches in Western culture have, have gone wrong. They look at what draws a crowd as a metric for success. But here's the thing, you know, and the crowd being that they're growing the church, right? But, but, he, but Jesus never asked us to build the church. In fact, he asked us to make disciples and he said that he would build his church, right? And, 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 and a crowd isn't a very good gauge of disciple-making. It's just, it's just not because disciple-making is on, a, on, a, it's on an inside level, right? It's deeper than surface. Uh, you know, disciple-making uh, is in the heart. And I think this is... A lot of the reason why we're seeing the veil pulled back on so many prominent Christian leaders on, on the outside, their t- their teaching and influence are revered, right? Uh, they they draw a crowd wherever uh, at whatever conference they're speaking at or or church. Um, but on the inside, we found out time and time again that these hugely influ- influential people uh, they're. They're just broken people with sin in their lives, just like you and me. And, and, and uh, it, it, it's, it's just when these leaders fall, they fall from a great height because we've placed them on a pedestal in culture, right? And somewhere along the way, they bought into the hype. They bought into their own Hype, as Biggie Smalls say, they got high on their own supply, right? And um, and the crowd is equally as eager to watch them fall as they were to watch them rise, right? This isn't a new thing, though. Jesus 
repeatedly had to deal with these types of leaders. Many of them were teachers of the law in the temple, and on the outside, these teachers looked the part. They were dressed in fancy robes, right? They had money, they had influence and eloquence, right? And and they were always invited to all the right parties, right? And and they sat in the seat of honor when, when they showed up to the party. Right, And they had all the outward signs that a crowd looks to for a leader, right? But on the inside, these guys weren't all that they were cracked up to be. Uh, These leaders knew the law of God, but their hearts were far from God, right? And the heart is what God cares about most. The life you live when no one's watching... Because what is on the inside always is revealed on the outside eventually. I'm going to say that again. Because what is on the inside always is revealed on the outside eventually. Your secret life isn't a secret to Jesus. Let that sink in. Your secret life isn't a secret to Jesus. He sees all. And nothing is hidden from his sight. In verse 38 of Mark 12 reveals just that the crowd, it it reveals that the crowd gathered at the temple and and it reveals just that, that these guys were not all that they were cracked up to be. Jesus Uh, has just finished correcting some thinking concerning the Messiah uh, that that some of the temple teachers had wrong. And uh, now Jesus is ready to reveal to the crowd who these men really are on the inside, right? So let's read. This is Mark chapter 12, verse 38. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, um, but let's begin. 38, Jesus also taught, because remember, he was teaching about the Messiah. Jesus also taught, beware of these teachers of religious law, for there they like to parade around in flowing robes and receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplace, and how they love the seats of honor in the synagogues and the head table at banquets. Yet they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property and then pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. Because of this, they will be more severely punished. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. 
All right, now let's, let's set the scene. Let's break this down a little bit. Okay, so you have, there's two main pieces to the passage we just read. And uh, this is the one case where I feel like, um, I mean, this is one of those cases where I feel like the section headers in the Bible do us a little bit of a disservice because these two pieces of scripture are very related, but separated by a header in most Bibles and which makes them feel separate. But, but like I said earlier, Jesus was already uh, correcting the teachers of the law regarding the Messiah. And he decided that, you know, while we're on the subject, uh, it's time for the people to know who these men really are in God's sight. And, and Jesus exposes these men for their flowing robes and long-winded prayers. But in fact, they were regularly doing things that grieved the heart of God. Like cheating widows. Like John Mark, the author of the book of, of Mark, is actually pretty tame in his language that he uses um, in this passage. Because in the same account in Matthew, because the gospels are all different accounts written by different people of Jesus' life. Uh, in the same account in Matthew, Jesus says this to the disciples. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. Um, what sorrow awaits you teachers of the religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed graves, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people and bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like religious, righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus lays down the law right here with these dudes, and uh, Jesus calls these teachers like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but dead on the inside. Your secret life isn't a secret to Jesus. It just isn't. These men loved to be seen and heard, but shortly after this encounter, it, it, it's, it's, it's the unseen life of a poor widow that moves the heart of Jesus. It's this widow that Jesus encounters that moves his heart. She was completely unnoticed by the crowd, but Jesus saw her. She was completely unnoticed. Mark 41 tells us that Jesus was sitting near the collection boxes with his disciples. And he watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. 
And the subtext here is that unlike today, people didn't give paper money or through a debit card, obviously. Uh, the money that they used were coins. They were, they were coins. And, and they, dropped them, uh, they dropped their coins in the offering boxes and it made a sound, right? And, and the more money you had to give to the offering, the bigger sound it would make, right? And, and some rich people made a big spectacle as, uh, uh, at their giving, at their offering, and, and their offering would make this loud clang as the coins dro- dropped. And, and for some people, that wasn't even enough. They would uh, employ people to blow horns as they gave their offering. And so the, the clatter of the coins wasn't enough. It was that they had to blow the horn, right? And make a huge spectacle. And they wanted everyone to see them giving their offering, right? Their offering had nothing to do with honoring God at all. They were seeking honor for themselves. And Jesus sees all the spectacle for what it truly is. But he also sees something else. Catch this. this. This was something that nobody else paid attention to. Something completely unseen by the crowd. This poor widow moves swiftly and quietly through the crowd, trying not to draw attention to herself, probably feeling embarrassed that she didn't have more to give. And and in the offering box, she placed two small coins. These coins were only worth one sixty-fourth of a day's wage, and yet this is all she had to live on. Unless you had a son to provide for you, widows in this time period were the poorest of the poor and had no way to provide for themselves. She didn't have to give both coins. That's something that I feel like we often miss about this passage is that she didn't have to give both coins. She could have easily kept one and gave the other, but she didn't. And as her two coins dropped in the box, in contrast to the larger clatter of the rich people's offering, hers didn't make a sound at all. And yet, this unseen act was deeply moving to Jesus, not because of the amount, but because of the heart, but because, it, but because of what it meant to her. This was everything she had. Jesus says that the rich people gave out a, a tiny portion out of their surplus, but she, the quiet, unseen, unheard, she gave out of faithfulness, out of faith in God, and, and it moved the heart of God. 
In verse 43, Jesus turns to his disciples and says, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Jesus saw the faith that this widow was putting in God to provide her every need. She didn't do what she did to be seen by people, but because of her secret life with God, right? So here's the point. You're like, what's the point? So here's the point. I've said it a few times now, and I really want you to mull this over. Your secret life isn't a secret to God. He sees everything, including the motive behind what, what actions you take. Jesus exposes the teachers of the law for their outward appearance, but inner depravity. Jesus saw the spectacle that the rich people were making as they gave their offerings. And Jesus witnessed what no one else saw in the widow. The teachers gave people in the temple wisdom about the law of Moses, but used it to their own advantage. The rich people gave lots of money, not because they wanted to honor God, but because they were seeking honor for themselves from the crowd. The widow gave everything she had because she was fully given to God. And don't be confused. This isn't a guilt trip about money. This is about so much more than money. This is about a whole way of living. It doesn't matter what it is. You can give of your time, talent, or treasure, and, in, and no part of it is unseen by God. But the truth is, you can give to God and not be fully given to God. Jesus wants us to give because we are fully given, right? Not because we are obligated or because it makes us look good, but because we realize that our secret life with God should be the foundation that the rest of our life is built upon. This is something that God affirms throughout the whole narrative of scripture. One of my favorite instances of this is the Old Test is is in the Old Testament with when God is choosing a new king for Israel. God sends the prophet Samuel to anoint the king and in the house that God sends Samuel to there are literally seven brothers to choose from. And the first brother Samuel thought for sure was the one. Dude looked kingly, right? He was handsome and strong and tall and he just looked like a king, but God had not chosen him. Samuel 
is a little dismayed at this point, and, and God says to him in 1 Samuel 16, 7, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. The brother that God had chosen wasn't even present because he was completely overlooked by his father. But God saw what man couldn't see in David's heart. And because of that, a shepherd boy eventually became king. So today, if God is convicting your heart, if the Holy Spirit is moving wherever you are right now and convicting you, your heart, I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to remove this facade that you may have created. Realizing that your secret life isn't a secret to God. I want you to give yourself permission to ask some potentially painful questions. And here's the first question. Is there any place in my life that I am living out publicly what I am not living in secret with God? Is there any place in my life that I am living out publicly what I am not living in secret with God? Question two, when I give to God in any capacity, is it because I am fully given to God or because I desire to be seen by a crowd? Three, if God sees past appearances and looks at the heart, when he looks at my heart, what does he see? If God sees past appearances and looks at the heart, when he looks at my heart, what does he see? Friends, these questions are tough questions. I'm not gonna lie, I'm not gonna candy coat it. These are tough questions, but I want you to know that I'm preaching this message and, and asking these questions of myself just as much as I'm asking you to uh, think about them and answer them. Let's not be a people who are drawn by the crowd. Let's not be a people who have it all together on the outside and are, and are looking like believers in Jesus on the outside when on the inside we're like whitewashed tombs. Let's not be a people that focus on the outside and forget that God looks at the heart. The secret life isn't a secret 
to God. So this week, may you ask yourself these painful questions and have the courage to answer honestly. May the Holy Spirit guide you in these questions. And as we think and pray together as a community, may we be seen by Jesus and may his heart be moved. Father, we thank you for this time. Father, we confess sometimes we can be drawn in by a crowd. We confess that, Lord, we like to look like we have it all together on the outside, Lord. Lord, that's why community is so important, God, that we can be vulnerable with each other, that we can be honest and say, I do not have it all together. I don't have all the answers. I don't deserve the seed of honor. Lord, may we approach you with humble, quiet, unseen faith, Lord. And may that be the foundation of the faith that we live out in public. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com. Thank you.